How sweet and precious is the Lord. I want you to turn to Revelation tonight, chapter number 2. And I want to preach tonight, just for a moment or two, on God's second promise to the church. Remember, we looked at the first church there, and God made them a promise that if you'll do right and overcome, I'm going to give you the right to the tree. And we taught about the trees. Life began at a tree. It ended at a tree. But it was reclaimed at a tree. And one day, praise God, we're going to sit down by the tree and enjoy the blessings of God forever and ever. I want us to come tonight to the second promise that God made to the overcomer. And I don't want to be repetitious, but let me just lay this little groundwork. When God talks about these seven churches in the book of the Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, he was addressing more than seven individual churches. He was giving you and I a, a prophetic picture of the entire church age. When it's birthed in Holy Ghost power to toward the end, the days of apostasy. And there are three words that start with the letter P that will sum up these letters to the churches. Number one, God always would give them the problem. He would tell them what was wrong and what they needed to fix. And by the way, tonight, God is honest. When you read the Bible, He'll point out your problems. And I want to tell you, when God points them out, He leaves no stones unturned. And he'd always announce the problem, tell you what is wrong. Then he would give the prescription. That's what I love about God. He tells you what's wrong, then he tells you what to do about it, how to fix it. And by the way, I don't want to be redundant, but we'd really be in a mess if God just pointed out the problem and then tell us how to fix it. So he gives the problem, then he gives a prescription, and then number three, a promise. He made a special promise what he was going to do if we would follow his prescription to be the antidote for the problem. And there are some promises in the Bible that are unconditional. For instance, the promise, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now that is unconditional. No matter where you go, what you do, how bad you flub the dub, God said, I'm with you. And that is an unconditional promise. But a lot of promises in the Bible are conditional. God said you meet your end of the deal, you meet these conditions, and I will do such and such. For instance, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be. That's promise. But you're not going to receive that until you call upon the name of the Lord. Second Chronicles 7, and that one of prescription for revival, if my people would you call by my name. And I'm glad God did say he would hear from heaven, forgive our sin, kill our land, but the condition, you have to humble yourself, seek his face, and forsake your sins. Well, in these letters to the churches, God would give them the problem. He would give them the prescription. But if they would follow that prescription to fix the problem, God made a promise, and it's a special promise he made to the overcoming church, to the overcoming believer. 
I want you to come tonight to Revelation chapter number 2, verse 10 and verse 11. Back in the first part of the chapter, his promise was, I'll give you a tree. But he comes to the second promise and he says, I'll do more than give you a right to the tree. I will give you a crown. Now think about that tonight. He said, I will give you a crown. Notice this special promise God made to the church or the believer who overcomes. Chapter 2 of Revelation and verse number 10. Fear none of those things which ye shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. Say this with me. And I will give thee a crown. And if that was the only word, that would be enough. But notice he said, crown of life. Say that with me. A crown of life. And verse 11, he gives somewhat a description of that. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, here's your promise to the overcomer. And he that overcometh shall not be hurt, said the rest of this line, of the second death. What in the world is the second death? That's that spiritual death where man will be dead to God forever. And be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone forever. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is pretty obvious that all of us in the building, all of us in the world, we've got to die that first death. Man, I wished I could escape it. I would love to be 250 just to aggravate some people that's been a thorn in my flesh. My poor little old mama, she... She said, honey, I'm not afraid to die. I know where I'm going. I just don't want to leave y'all. But man, it's pretty evident that one day all of us have got to die that first death. But I want to say this tonight. Hallelujah to Jesus. I will never taste one part of that second death. I will never be dead to God. My relationship with God will never die. I am a child of God forever. Listen, and I will not feel one flame of hell upon my soul. Because I have life. And I will be given not just life, but the crown of life. One of the benefits of knowing Christ is life. One of the great joys is living the Christian life. And if you have received Christ as your Savior, you not only have the mark of light, but you have the mark of Life. And I'm glad one day when this life is over, our life will just begin. 
Because I'm glad we will live in glory forever and forever and forever. I was thinking the other day at all of the funerals that I've had to preside over and will preside over. But one day, not only will I preach my last funeral, not only one day will our church host its last funeral, and not only one day will every undertaker in the world do their last funeral, do you know the last funeral is going to be in Revelation 21 when it said the former things are all passed away. And I'm glad we're going to a country where it's life. Life. Heaven is a place of life. And I'm glad I've got a life on the other side of this life. Paul put it like this. He said, in this life only we had hope. We would be of all men most miserable. But I'm glad that we have a hope of another life on the other side of this life. And our best life is yet to come. Of all the promises God could make to the church, he said, those that are saved and they overcome, I'm not only going to give them life, but the crown of life. But I thought about it. Three things. Number one, Christ is the source of life. He said in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And can I remind you tonight, not just a life, not some life, but the life, the only life. Can I remind you tonight that Jesus is not a way or some way, but he is the way. He is not a truth or some truth, but he is the truth. He is not a life or some life, he is the life. And when you put the definite article in front of it, it literally means not only is he the way, the truth, the life, he is the only way and the only truth and the only life. You say, well, Brother Joe, isn't that kind of narrow? Yes. And that's what it means when it says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. There's not seven saviors and 12 saviors and 14 plans of salvation. There is one faith, one Lord, one door, one shepherd, one, one God almighty. He's the source of life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Number two tonight, Christ is the giver of life. He is not only life, but he is the giver of life. John chapter number 12, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. John chapter 10 and verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life. Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life. They say tonight, you can only give what you have to give. 
And can I promise you tonight that Christ has no problem giving you and I spiritual life because He is life and He is the giver of life. You say, well, what kind of life does He give? Well, He gives abundant life. And not just abundant life, but life more abundantly. He gives eternal life. And if you don't think it can get any better than abundant life and eternal life, John 3.16 called it everlasting life. You say, well, Brother Joe, is an eternal life and everlasting the same thing? Yes and no. Yes, in the fact that we're going to be saved forever. But there is a small little difference between eternal and everlasting. Look up the definition of the word eternal. It means an unmeasurable state of time. That means we will be saved forever. Eternity has no end. It is an unmeasurable state of time. But look up the meaning of the word everlasting. It means an unchangeable state. In other words, it's something that will never vacillate. It was something that will never alter. It is something that will never change. So eternal life is life that has no end. And everlasting life is life that never changes. A country boy would say it like this. Not only am I saved today and I'll be saved tomorrow and I'll be saved forever. But I'm the same saved and I'll be saved the same tomorrow and I'll be the same saved. I'll be same saved forever. Please don't ask me to say that again. I think I'm going to try that for my own amusement. Not only will I be saved tomorrow, but I'll be the same saved. I don't know how you feel about it, but as much as cars cost and trucks, I think they ought to last forever. But there's three things you don't ever want to buy if you don't want to get depreciated and go in a hole, an automobile, a gun. Or a set of clubs. Or a wife. No, I'm just kidding. But man, there's nothing like the new car smell. There's nothing like a new car smell. If I had the money, I'd drive a new one every week. I just love the new car smell. And boy, you get in that brand new Ford, John, or... Amen. You say, why does John like Fords? It fed his family. That's why he liked it. <laughs> and they all like it. And uh, you get in that new Ford, you drive down the road, and you think, whoo, this thing's going to last forever. But John, I hate to tell you, it ain't going to last forever. And somebody said, well, man, get you a Nissan or get you a Honda. You can put 300,000 miles on them. And you'll look like Jed Clampett coming into town. 
Because it depreciates. You may drive the same car 10 or 15 years from now, but it won't be quite as shiny. It won't be kind of new because it will change. You and I, if we live to be a 100, we're not going to look like we look tonight. In fact, some of us ain't even near a 100. And we don't look like we did 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Some of us have not aged well. Now, some of you have aged well, but some of us have not aged well. But I'm telling you, even if you live to be a 100, you're not going to be of the same health. You're not going to be of the same stamina. Something's going to be different about you. But a person that has eternal life, not only will they live forever, but they'll be the same redeemed and the same justified and the same regeneration than they were than the first moment they trusted Christ. And then when you throw abundant in on top of eternal and everlasting, here's what you get. You get a life that never ends and a life that never changes and you get to enjoy the ride to glory. I'm glad tonight that Jesus Christ is the giver of life. He is the resource of life and He gives abundant life and He gives eternal life and He gives everlasting life. And if that's not enough, He says, i got something else. I have the crown of life. I will give you that special crown of life. Now, personally tonight, I believe it's twofold. Number one, I believe it is a literal crown. But also, I believe it is spiritual that that crown is, we will have no part or no hurt in that second death. Ladies and gentlemen, when lost sinners stand before the great white throne judgment and God does not find their name in the book and he says, depart from me ye that work iniquity and the cast into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever, I will not be in that number. I'll be shouting on the hills of glory because I will have the crown of eternal and everlasting life. Let me give you this real quickly. In the New Testament, you'll find the word crown mentioned five times. There are five distinct crowns that God will give the Christian who meets the condition. First of all, in 1 Corinthians number 9, you'll see the incorruptible Crown. Say that with me tonight, the incorruptible crown. You remember Paul said most people in the Olympic games of that day fought the battle or run the race or participated in the game that they might win a corruptible crown. In that day, you've probably seen the pictures. They would take some branches with some leaves and they would put some gold pieces and some diamonds in that and that would be the crown of the person that won the race or 
won the warfare. And the word corruptible simply means that one day that crown would fade away. The gold would be diminished. The diamond would be diminished. And even the little leaves would dry up. And it's nothing more than something that will not last forever. But Paul said, I try to live separated. And I try to live holy unto God. And sometimes I have to bring my flesh into subjection and surrender to the Lordship of Christ in my life. And Paul says, I do that. Not that I might win one of these corruptible crowns, something that won't last forever. But I do that that I might win the incorruptible crown. One that will never be flawed. One that will never be diminished. One that will last forever and forever. Let me just sum it up like this, church. Why would we work and fret and sweat our lives to the ultimate end to gain something that will not stand the test of time when we can lay treasures up in heaven where the thief can't steal it and the moth can't corrupt it and rust will never diminish it. Let's start living for eternity. And that incorruptible crown is for those who've served the Lord and been faithful and have done your best to remain unspotted from a filthy world. The incorruptible crown. Then First Thessalonians chapter number 2, say this with me, the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing. Say that with me, the crown of rejoicing. What in the world could that be? Remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul said those that have believed Christ through our preaching. He said those that we've won to Jesus. Those that have come to Christ through our life. Paul said ye are my crown. Ye are my hope. Ye are my crown of rejoicing at the appearance of our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. What could be the crown of rejoicing? It's been called the soul winner's crown. It would be a crown given to those that have won people to Christ. Whether through their words, whether through their witness, whether through their life. And let me ask you this. What greater reward could you have to be faithful in serving God than to meet somebody in heaven that got there because of your life. Paul said, of all the things I could see in eternity, what gives me hope and what gives me joy, he said to the church of Thessalonica, you, those who have heard the word of God and have turned from idols to serve the living and true God, And by the way, tonight, we can't take our money. We can't take our stocks and bonds, our houses, our lands, our possession. But the only thing we can take to heaven with us when we go is a crowd of people we help get on board along the journey. Remember the old song the old timers used to sing, Will there be any stars in my crown? You see, isn't that braggadocious? No, you got to understand 
the message behind the song, Will There Be Any Stars in My Crown? They take that song from what Daniel said in his prophecy. Those that turn men and women and boys and girls to righteousness shall shine as the stars of the firmament. And Paul is saying those that trust Christ through your witness, through your life, through your giving, through your ministry, to see them in heaven. What more could we ask for than to meet somebody on the streets of glory that got there through our influence? And thank God for that soul winner's crown. Thank God for that incorruptible crown. Look in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, it called the crown of righteousness. What in the world could be the crown of righteousness? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Brother Paul said, I'm coming to the end of my race. He said, in fact, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, and I've kept the faith. And he said, henceforth thou hast laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You say, well, what's that got to do with us? Listen to what he said. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, whom the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto them also who love his appearing. What in the world could be the crown of righteousness? It is a crown given to those that are looking, longing, hastening for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight sick of this old world and the sin of this old world and the ingratitude of this old world and the injustice of this old world and the unrighteous, ungodly leaders in this old world that one day there's a better world to come and where righteousness rules and reign and we're looking and longing and hastening for Jesus to come. By the way, tonight at the end of the book of the Revelation, John didn't say, hold up. He said, Amen, even so. Come, Lord Jesus. To those that are looking, longing, hastening for the coming of Christ, there's a special crown called the crown of righteousness. Number four, First Peter chapter number five, there is what we call the crown of glory. And it's called the crown of glory. Now, what is the crown of glory? It's been often called... The shepherd's crown. Or sometimes it is called the pastor's crown. Now my dad used to say this and he believed this till he got to glory. He said every child of God can win all the crowns. But only one is for the preacher and the teacher only. Now I personally believe tonight if whatever you've done to Sow the Word of God, speak the Word of God, teach the Word of God, sing the Word of God, print the Word of God, testify the Word of God. It's part of that crown of glory. Remember, Simon Peter said to the church and to the pastor, to the shepherd, to the under-shepherd, he said, take heed to yourselves, boys, that you feed the church of God. Now, what does a preacher Feed the church of God with the word. 
And he said, and if you'll feed the flock, if you'll feed the church of God, he, when it comes, will give you a crown of glory. And I believe tonight every preacher that has stood before a congregation of people, whether it be large, whether it be small, if he has poured into them the feed of the Word of God, there is a crown of glory. But now, come to our text, and we'll go. Revelation 2. On top of all of those crowns, the crown of glory, the crown of rejoicing, the incorruptible crown. Thank God for those crowns. But look at this one. The crown of life. Some Bible students have called it the martyr's crown because of the way it's mentioned in the text. When he says, you'll be persecuted, you'll be put in prison, you'll be afflicted, you'll be tried, but be faithful. And you'll get the crown of life. And I'm not going to diminish from that. There is a special crown for the martyrs. And by the way tonight, what a lot of us have taken for granted for a long time, people died that we might have it. That's why when somebody that studied this much of church history, when they see the apathy and the nonchalant that most people have for the religious freedom, it stirs righteous indignation in their soul. Because I'm so afraid, and I'm not throwing anything at you, I'm preaching to all, a lot of us just go through the motion. Well, another church service. Another time to go to church. I'm going to sit in and endure it and go home and get over it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize my mother would give everything in her world to be sitting in a church tonight? There's people at home tonight that would be in the house of the Lord if they were remotely Able to go. Early one morning this week, I said, Mama, what do you need? Mama, what can I do for you? What do you need? I don't need a thing in the world, honey, but to get better and eat with my family and go to church. I mean, she wants to go to church again. And ladies and gentlemen, there is men and women and boys and girls that were fed to the lions, burned at the stake, died, shed their blood, that we might have a Bible, that we may have a church, and we may come here tonight. Don't ever take that for granted. Somebody died for what we are enjoying. And I do believe there's a special crown for those who are martyred for the cause of Christ. But I believe this crown tonight is not just for the martyred Christian. But I believe it's for every believer that was faithful to God. And could say at the end of their life, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And God said, you know what I'm going to do for you? 
I'm going to give you a crown of life. You don't have to raise your hand tonight, but how many of you had this thought maybe, or somebody may have actually been wicked enough to say it to you, or you may have this thought. Boy, if I get saved, if I trust Christ, man, I'm giving up so much life. Man, I'm going to give this up in life. I'm going to give that up in life. I'm going to give this up in life. I'm going to give that up in life. And boy, if I trust Christ as my Savior and live the Christian life, look what all I'm going to give up in this life. You ain't give up a drop in the bucket to what God said I'm going to give you. Everything you thought you gave up, I'm going to give you a crown of life. By the way, when you look at what Christ gave up to save us, we've not given up much at all. But whatever minuscule price you and I may pay to serve the Lord, Paul said that he was persuaded that the glory of the world to come was not worthy to be compared to anything we've gone through in this life. Because there is a crown of life. Every time I read this crown of life, it hits me. It does pay in the end to serve God. Now, I wish I could tell you tonight there's no burdens. There's no setbacks. There's no disappointments. I've seen some things the last couple of weeks that have, be honest with you, have shaken me to the very end of my soul. But I'm telling you, we may lose some ground. We may get some hard licks. We may have some setbacks, some disappointments. Maybe a few unanswered prayers. Maybe a few times when we scratch your head and say, God, why'd you do it that way? But I'll remind you when it's all said and done, and the last shot is fired, and the dust settles, and the smoke clears, and the sun comes up in the morning. Hallelujah. Hey, it'll be payday someday. And the crown of life, the eternal life, the everlasting life, the abundant life, will see it forever and forever and forever. Not just life, but a whole crown of it. Because in the end, Jesus wins. And it pays to serve the Lord. And God's promise to the church. I'll give you a crown, a crown of life. Have you ever read Revelation 5, what you're going to do with it? I heard a fellow say one time, and I knew he was immature. He said, man, I'm going to put on my crown, and I'm going to shout down Hallelujah Boulevard. Woo, I'm going to wear my crown all over glory. Well, you better wear it till Revelation 5 kicks in. Because according to Revelation 5, John said, I saw the church. He must have seen us coming from the Bema seat. 
when we got them crowns of life and crowns of glory, the incorruptible crown, crown of rejoicing. And he said, but I saw them as they cast their crowns at the feet of him that sat upon the throne. And he said, as they cast their crowns, they lifted their voice and said, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. We'll have that crown. Mm. To lay at the feet of Jesus. To thank him for saving us. Brother Brian, I want you to put up this picture. I hope you'll be able to see it. Brother Earl, out behind your house and where you live and where your dad lived is the Palmetto Cemetery. And I didn't get to come to your dad's funeral, but I wanted to go visit his grave. And so I went to your dad's grave. And probably about three or four graves up from your father, Brother Earl. There's no name around it. There's no name in here. But there's this little footstone or a headstone at a little grave. I don't know who it is. There's no name above it or below it. I don't know if it's the headstone or the footstone. But I saw this little marker at the cemetery thou in Palmetto. I'm thinking in my mind it was probably a child or maybe even a baby. I don't know. But it says farewell words were never spoken. No time to say goodbye. You were gone before we knew it. And only God knows why. Man, Gus, I stood at that grave and I just thought, was that a mother? Was that a father? Was that a mom? Was that a dad? Was that a son? Was that a daughter? I didn't get to tell you goodbye because you were gone before we knew it and only God knows why. And can I remind you tonight, really only God knows why. But one day, when the way and the truth and the life, and the eternal life, the epitome of life, the life of God, the prince of life, hallelujah, will come in clouds of glory, we will understand why. And we don't need to know why. Because we'll never say goodbye in glory ever again when the morning comes. Thank God we'll never say goodbye again. Somebody asked me not long ago, said, you and Miss Arthur have been married almost 40 years. What have y'all said to each other mostly? We probably said goodbye more than we said anything else. My whole life has been bye to my mom, bye to my dad, bye to my wife, bye to my kids. I even went to say goodbye to one of my grandkids today. She said, you'll never leave me. I'll just let you guess which one that was. Pointed that finger. You'll not leave me. And man, most of us have had to say goodbye to some of the people we, we really love. And if we live long enough, we're going to say it some more. But I'm glad, as John R. Rice sang, 
We'll never say goodbye in glory in the morning over yonder. We'll never say goodbye in glory. We'll never say goodbye. I hope he sounded better singing that than I just did. Up there, aren't you glad we'll never say goodbye in glory? Because when the prince of life comes, we'll not only have life, but a crown of life. Saved and saved forever. Hallelujah. For the eternal life. Let's stand together, Lord. We love you.